Hello world and welcome back to Centered Subject. Let's do a roll call. Bridget. Hi. Jenny. Hello. Hello. Okay, so um, we're joined Yelena. today. Yelena says hi. Oh, yeah. Hi, hi. Hello. hello. Of course, I forgot to call my own. should have just said Yelena. But we're back and today we're recording from London and New York. Jenny's in New York. I'm in London and we're joined by a friend, Bridget Grice. And Bridget and I go way back to Los Angeles. Well, we met in Los Angeles, so mm-hmm. we, we go back there sometimes, actually, mm-hmm. and go way back there as well. And we've come together today to discuss the notion of the bohemian mm-hmm. and unearth the various shades of this word. Right. Have a discussion. Yeah, some strong feelings ran in the room just before we started recording. Right. We care. We care about the behemoth. What it means. Yeah, what does it mean? I think the I think the origins that I had with it um a few months ago were that I just got mad at the term boho. I and it's definitely gone or waning pretty pretty quickly now, but it's like the the actual bohemian that I had imagined and that had been important to me in my head and then what the the boho thing was of fashion and just kind of bad boho fashion being around like a boho today yeah yeah like buy your boho do you remember (laughs) yeah buy a boho boho buy do you remember was there a particular moment was there a particular encounter yeah that made you upset can you describe it to us it's a certain hat that bothers me a lot it's like this one sort of i'm so i'm gonna be rude but like this one sort of basic girl wears the floppyish hat floppy hat right i I just had i had an image in my head as soon as you said floppy hat me too yeah i don't like it and um it's And I'm trying to be, I mean, on the last episode, I talked about how I can't, as a therapist person, I can't really wear anything but neutral clothing now. And as a person who likes to wear interesting clothing and has a relationship to this like older idea of the bohemian or something, I get very territorial about clothes that are interesting, whether or not I'm wearing them. So then when like that girl wears that floppy hat and thinks she's being whimsical, it makes me enraged. Maybe because I want to, I can't wear. Yeah, maybe you're re- maybe you're repressed wearing a neutral palette, Jenny. Yes, yeah. it might be my issue certainly, and I will own that. But like, you feel like she was she was really not being truly bohemian. Was she masking? masking it's really she not was pretending? her fault. Not her it's fault. Not, not her fault. It's not her fault. It's fashion's issue. It's like yeah. this. Ma- it's like this mass production of of the bohemian. Yeah. That I got. I started thinking about. And that one can no longer distinguish oneself with the bohemian. Were you thinking about the past, um, the years of yore, when one could easily yeah. tell who was a bohemian and who wasn't, and now it's sort of mixed mixed around a bit. Yeah, exactly. It was something like that. And, and I started wanting to dig into what it is. And was it indeed bohemian when I thought I was doing it? Or was I also wearing some version of the floppy hat? Probably I was. So that's what I was like, oh, let me investigate. I guess I think at, at some point the bohemian doesn't have to, isn't like maybe there's a style aspect, which isn't bad, but it's not about like a surface clothing material aspect, right? Mm-hmm. It's something. Yeah. It's something that's like almost inherent in how a human is behaving like I I kind of think of him as like Oscar Wilde as like this this bohemian many life choices yeah yeah, who's but also who's who's going against morals who's really like taking a stand against how society exists that doesn't like he's an example maybe who's more of a a, of course a dandy who like presents himself in a very particular way important to to that identity it's also signals signals the position yes it differentiates immediately visually where you stand so but yes i agree but i guess it's more but it's sort of an externalized version a certain like um courage a certain courage and risk taking there's something there like you're willing to yeah, I don't know. Be arrested for your outfit, you know. Yeah, for, and, and for your behavior. Your behavior. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, what your for, what your yeah. outfit means, what that signals. Yeah, right. Yeah. The like his, historical. Should we read the historical definition? 
Yes. Um, what's the sure? What historical definition should we turn to? You had the Cambridge one, and I have the Oxford English Dictionary. Okay, one. why don't you do? We can do, let's do the Oxford one. Etymology: Bohemia plus an a suffix. The transferred senses are taken from the French, in which Bohem, Bohemian, have been applied to the gypsies since their first appearance in the 15th century. Because they were thought to come from Bohemia, or perhaps actually entered the West um, through that country. Thence, in modern French, the word has been transferred to vagabond, adventurer, person of irregular life or habits, a sense introduced into English by Thackeray. Mm-hmm. Did either of you watch, um, you've probably both have seen Agnes Gardner's Vagabond? I haven't. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I think... That has a very despairing look of, on vagabond, of kind of a bohemian. But it's it's a it's yeah. a bohemian. It's it's vagabond. There is obviously is is a drifter. It's a woman mm-hmm. who who doesn't have right. a home. Who's just trying to kind of make her means um, as as a homeless person, but right. is alone as a female most of the times. And kind of is she var- involved in the arts? Mm, she's really young. She's like okay. I think supposed to be around fifteen or sixteen mm-hmm. in the film, and Varda mm-hmm. starts the film with actually her her death, and then it kind of goes backwards. Okay, oh, okay, how did how did this how did this happen to her? How did she end right. up falling up falling into this ditch and just being like this right. fu- yeah. body that no one knows or cares about? And huh. it's more that she refuses to be a part of society. She refuses yeah. anything. She doesn't really. She's not really drawn to any certain things she likes smoking marijuana she she kind of has these certain love interests and she kind of uses men sometimes to get like a nice to, to sleep somewhere at times mm-hmm. but she doesn't she gets sick of them and she kind of she kind of has this like fierce independence at the same time hmm. and this fierce independence almost leads to her her death we could say but it's more I think more her death is also brought upon by how a society that is so sexist and so neglecting mm-hmm. of her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. believe that the film's 1965 or something, mm. to be exact, but I think it's interesting. That's interesting. That would you define, when you were describing her, that's why I asked if she was involved in the arts um, in the film, which sounds funny as if talking about a real person. But I guess I realized that when I talk about Bohemian, even though, yes, it's a person of counterculture, in my mind, it has to be someone who is involved in the arts, you know, that yeah, has to be an artist. Yeah. So even though, but then I wondered about that because when you described her, it does, you know, she does seem, you know, one's life can just be art in a, yeah, you know, yeah, in a no, sense definitely. and the choices. And so in that sense, I think it kind of expanded my definition of what Bohemian is. In uh, La Boheme, the the opera they mm-hmm. it was it's sort of the same thing i mean they're it's all about they're all artists and they're trying their best to like live this life separate from the traditional society because they care about the arts but right. in doing that because they care about art and you know painting and things so it's like but they have to die because there is this relationship to poverty if one is going to live for their values or live for like their passion then there's a possibility they're going to run out of money and get sick and die. And so like, that's like at the, that's like the core of it. And I do think that that's part of what the idea of the Bohemian means. Um, We're kind of like in the very dark side of it. We should talk about like the party atmosphere of it too, but you know what I mean? It's like, when we think of that, we think of the the cost of it. And Mm -hmm. also like that, huh, these people must care so much about something in order to be this thing it's like that rebellion is worth a lot. In Vagabond, there's a lot of um, rebellion. Like, she's very rebellious. She kind of wants a sense of freedom. She she doesn't quite know how to relate to the society female, that one, one person who tries to kind of take her in and understand her. She doesn't she, she kind of completely resists it. And she, yeah. and she, she, and she knows that it might bring her, her demise, I think. Um, mm. Also, there's this, um, this kind of real positive side of, of that you know not like yeah. like as to live in a, in searching for freedom that doesn't like without consequences i guess like kind of yeah. like you're you're kind of so free that you're not thinking about the risk that you're held to or kind of the potential mm-hmm. of danger that's mm-hmm. probably might be a lot more nearer to you than mm-hmm. Than the security that another conventional lifestyle would have, right? Yeah, right. Um, and the, and the gypsy is a very precarious existence. I actually spent my um, last birthday in an old gypsy cavern. That they they usually actually burn them. So after the gypsy dies, they usually burn them. So it's this beautiful like old wooden hut basically, and mm-hmm. you can 
it's it's gorgeous and it's all painted and yeah it was it was really nice to to sleep in this little thing and then wake up in it and be like ah gypsy lifestyle I guess <laughs> I, I guess <laughs> where was it it was in it was called the New Forest in England it's just like this yeah. beautiful forest and this people had this little yeah gypsy caravan wait so was it kind yeah. of like museumized or was it just, no it was they just, just they just they just the... found one yeah. and they had one and they have they have like courses and they yeah it's kind of it was like kind of a weird form of glamping i guess yeah but it, i didn't really <laughs> okay that's what i was wondering because that, that's also interesting when that you know that's an interesting yeah yeah, yeah no that they goes from being yeah from sort of being being an actual functional thing, you know, it's like the, there's this connection between gypsies and vagabonds and bohemians, and then it sort of goes into almost the boho version, you know, where it becomes this That's right. this yeah. glamping cabin, you know. So it, it yeah. kind of it it kind of beckons the concept on both sides. No shade, it's interesting. but, but yeah. I would do it too. But yeah, of course, so it yeah. But it's interesting a, how it it changes. It moves. It moves meaning. Yeah. Um, I so I went on this whole. It was very interesting. I went on this whole train of thought. I mean, the first big thing that I have to mention is that queer culture since the beginning of time has been related to this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so that's yeah. like rent is the is the newer La Boheme, and that's about the AIDS crisis. And so, mm-hmm. you know, naturally you are going to have to, you had to previously separate from normal society, normal quote unquote, and then create your chosen family you know, Mm -hmm. throughout time. And oftentimes, you know, people would be artists and they would be part of queer culture. So that, that this term kind of is shorthand in some ways for queer culture through time, I think also. So that's, that's something that is important. Mm -hmm. I think that needs to be put out there. And then another thing I was thinking is, huh, interesting. Maybe this is some sort of like instinctive thing that humans do when they want to create a new type of people, a new type of culture. And from like a very honest place, you know, they separate, like I am an outcast, I am different. And they're like, oh, I am too. And so then they create a new culture. It's a smaller nation state or whatever than the group that they left. But it's maybe this is like from some elemental, you know, human self, some some kind of more wholesome thing where it's like people are just different and they want to create a new society of people and big deal. You know, mm-hmm. so that's like my very hippie stance where it's like, that's OK. And, um, you know, once they figure out the medicine thing, maybe they can uh, not be tragic bohemians. But anyway, yeah. Well, they're not always tragic in any case. Right. I mean, sometimes I think that's also over, especially the last like the 20th century also became kind of a associated with glamour, mm-hmm. the kind of lifestyle that denoted pleasure and leisure and you know, kind of international travel and yeah. possibilities yeah. that are close to maybe people that are engaged in kind of what you would call a more quotidian, I don't know, just an ordinary yeah. sort of lifestyle, nine to five. Right. And trying to bring the authentic yeah. or something But then I like think that also... Inject it. I think um, simultaneously, I was just thinking, there was some conversation I had once, I was, um, I was dating someone and, you know, I was complaining about something irrelevant to my art practice but he was like well but you're an artist so you should suffer it's okay Uh, and so so uh, I think it kind of and and I think actually he said he said you're an artist you're bohemian so you know it's fine like you know it's it's what 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 you do you know that's like uh, it's your job (laughs) you know so I thought was it suffering like somehow suffering it should like help you work like financially or every, just, oh, everything I think every, I feel like you know just that's such an oh. easy way of excusing all of it you know just mm-hmm. suffering yeah. is well yeah yes. and, and that's such a strange way in which it, it, it kind of that term it combines all these things you know it's like yeah. glamour yeah. but suffering that's but, right you know freedom hair, but misery glamorous. freedom but you know you're not accepted yeah it just has it's just filled with these conflicts and contrasts I have to say too I I am uh, a lot of my clients right now are older actors in their in their 80s and 90s mm. and this has been kind of as a person who's been related to the bohemian and definitely you know not having a lot of money but working in in the arts or around the arts you know Mm -hmm. for most of my life I was feeling really bad about it recently and like wanting to make more money and join kind of conventional Mm -hmm. culture more not totally but more Mm -hmm. I don't want the floppy hat but like you know, I want something. And, um, but well, then hanging out conventional, what do you mean by that? I guess like, I wanted to make, I wanted to get some 
retirement going. Yeah, you want to be just, supported. You don't want to yeah, suffer and right. struggle. But I don't. I, I think right. there should be a difference between like being still. I don't know. Be, yeah. Having a non-conventional lifestyle and still being allowed to be supportive and to be, you know, have wealth. Yeah. I know. You know I like, agree why with you. We, why, why, what is the stigma and kind of shame that right. we have around like right. being financially supported? If we're financially supported, we can create more people who are having alternative lifestyles to also be financially supported. Exactly. And and that's actually like, I don't know, I I guess I've been thinking a lot when we've been talking about um, the Dada movement, how how there are so many different people from around Europe that are going to Zurich and Switzerland because it's neutral during World Mm -hmm. War I. And what they kind of created there isn't, they don't know what they're actually doing doing they know they hate the war they hate what's Mm -hmm. going on but they're not they're and they're just kind of making nonsense we can say later on they're kind Mm -hmm. of doing a little bit of um cultural appropriation um with using a lot of inspiration from africa Mm -hmm. and yeah they create the cabaret voltaire um and i'm pulling up some images there's some nice historical images (laughs) googling just so we can have references in front of us but i think that is an, an, an example of where different people are coming together um not like like i can't say that all of them are bohemia some of them are really wealthy like francis bacabia is extremely wealthy you know he traveled all around the world he was super young he did he did this publication 391 and he supported a lot of people but that doesn't mean that he also wasn't someone who was he was unconventional you know he he also resisted a lot Mm -hmm. we can question a little bit of his last his later works are kind of questionable i think in terms of maybe his his he shifts a bit um, but yeah, where where do like this this kind of question of question and actually actions against the society at stand, but also allowing it mm-hmm. has to function under some type of economy, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't run you can't run an alternative cabaret cabaret. Um, you can't run a bar. You can't run a press right. without without some type of right, e- right. economy. Like that's just like essentially can't run a podcast you need something you need a little yeah. bit of a, of a base um, that's right and i think that's not to be dismissed but i think there is something when we can just like it becomes a different thing when we can just like go out and and buy these products probably made in china or you know really cheap somewhere mass produced and buy something that is considered boho and then all of a sudden does that mean you're bohemian like what is what are the the kind of differences there and speaking of economy so I've continued digging into that image and it was in fact um, as part of the first international data fair held in Berlin it's is it an art fair? Do you know? Um, do you know about this? Uh, the first international data fair and there are all art. There are f- right art fairs so, throughout the eighteen hundreds too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but my point was, I think we think of also. I think when most people think of surrealists and you know as this sort of avant-garde counterculture people and don't think about the economy but clearly this is you know an, a, having yeah. an art fair is very much an, an activity you know of buying and selling and people trying right. to make a living anyway, case in point. well it's very different than like you mm. could say like freeze or or not a, you know it's 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 not art basel it's very like these these early fairs or these first early surrealist exhibitions they were a lot more installation based like just look at this there's a there's a sculpture hanging on the ceiling there's posters all over right. that are quotes about dadism and kind of refuting the the times and a lot of them are nonsense but I mean, much of the art displayed today at Freeze and other places is often nonsense and things hanging I mean with the, if there's something are they not selling things? There, there. It's not it's not it's not in the so same not, context. No, it's more okay, of a, so it's when more I asked you statement. if there's anything interesting about the first international data fair that was. But this is happening throughout, like the international surrealist exhibitions that they had in in Paris, in London, in Mexico City. Like it's it's similar, but they're not like some things might move through a market. Yes, but they're not. Yeah. It's very different than an. It's a, it's a huge step into something like an international art fair. Mm-hmm. Like that's just such a different, um, a different can of worms that it's really mm-hmm. difficult. This is more like is this is kind of showing like a, a collectivity, culture. yeah, and this is also mm-hmm. showing like a kind of a constellation between this collectivity right. and okay. a lot of this is also like some of the posters it's more showcasing are showcasing the achievement of that or whatever you know. It's like showing the data mm-hmm. as it is rather than rather than like trying to sell items from. It's from saying the what it made. is. Yeah. I think more than anything, right. it's, it's presenting it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and the presentation itself is actually very important because it is, it's trying to demystify and going against a lot of how art is seen at that time. Mm-hmm. You think of like old Paris salons or kind of these really rigid understandings of what, what art is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we can, in that sense, it opens up a kind of freedom that we can then, of course... Hmm. Um, carry on over to maybe art fairs today that everyone could be doing nonsense but or right. could be could kind of just like anything yeah. goes um, mm-hmm. but I, I would I, I guess I'm very maybe we just could just describe a little bit because it's you know people can't see it so it's a room where um, it's, a, it's a photograph of a room where some people are sitting on chairs and uh, basically inst- rather than having kind of like a very it looks a bit like a salon-style exhibition where there are several paintings of different size, but there are also posters. There are these sort of... Um, there's this sculpture that are, one is suspended from a ceiling. It's um, It looks like a uniformed soldier, but with a kind of like duck I think uh, he has face. a pig face, I believe, oh, pig that face. one. Okay. And then there's yeah. another one in the corner. There's another sort of sculpture that looks like a combination of like ready-made and... Um, but also someone like referencing a military costume. And then there's just sort of people sitting casually glancing at it. Mm-hmm. But in general, there's like a sense of like an informal feeling about it. But also yeah. a lot of them are really questioning. So like the first real dot exhibition, I believe, was in Cologne. See, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm more work on surrealism, so I don't know everything about Dadaism. But it was in Cologne and it was started where you had to enter through the bathroom. So it was kind of like it really forced this new perspective of how we looked at art. It like really leveled like like yeah. art could be grotesque, art could right. be mm-hmm. could be nonsense, art could be um yeah. blasphemy, art can be shocking and it was shocking. And and I think still some of those those sound poems um are still quite shocking. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I yeah. had some. But I think it was so much more about like their like their collective mm. ideas and kind yeah. of a, like a common point that that's why I think it's very different than say an international art right fair. right well yes of course in that in that sense it is yeah it's more it's more bohemian it's more about collectivism and not money yeah I got carried away by the English word because like in Russian it would be like a, a word for like a show there's a really different um, word for like a selling exhibition versus exhibition exhibition anyway mm-hmm. but it is um it sounds like a selling exhibition to me but anyway it's good that we clear that and we know what it is so i have i have some questions i don't know we can we can continue uh with this but i want to ask a question about relationships in the in the bohemian the sort of origins of interesting interesting ways people related to each other but mm. like, like marriages and and relationships and things like um i tried to get my existentialist friend to talk to me about sartre and his marriage and things but Mm. that was difficult to get get to the bottom of i do know that they were some of the first people like philosophers particularly sometimes in like bohemian ones were the first in the early times to have strange interesting relationships you know where they would be married to someone but you know have like what was called an open marriage for the for the first time and However, I do not have the data to back this up. Oh, I was actually thinking um, some of my kind of early fascination with Bohemian um, was learning about the constructivist artists. Um, So the the artists that made work and lived in the early um, years of Soviet Union when... It became quite conventional in the 30s, but like in in the late teens and 20s, they were still kind of experimenting with. I think marriage was abolished, um, you know, for the first the first few years of Soviet Union, and so there was this idea that you know people can really remap what it's like to have relationships, and it didn't need to be so formal, and that was you know sort of connected to capitalism and ownership things, and you know instead we can just be free, and um, since we own everything collectively, it, you know it shouldn't be connected to these older structures. So no one could so be married. No one marriage. Was you didn't banned. need to right. Yeah, so there was no, yeah, marriage was essentially right. abolished, and then it was like, and then it was really easy to get a divorce, but then like slowly... So people were still, okay, you couldn't get re- married at that time, but people that were married could 
be married? I think they would still. They were still. I think they were just arguing for abolishing marriage. Marriage, okay. yeah. And so there's some. There's a lot of free love. Sort of, yeah, free love. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the people that were married, it's not like they were automatically divorced. And okay. Still, yeah. And then they sort of like brought marriage back, I believe. But then divorce was really easy to get, you know. So it was just like, so. But basically, you know, for a minute, after it was a really patriarchal place, you know, there was this kind of doors opened and so people were trying all these different combinations of relationships and I was really fascinated by um, this poet Mayakovsky and she's so he there was a married couple Osip this um, really loved Mayakovsky yeah um, so he had a muse her name is Lilia and she was married to also a writer but essentially they just the three of them lived together and you know mm. had this kind of it just like seems like a really also like conventional relationship, you know, with like a lot of memories that you read are like very kind of yeah. domestic and kind of boring in a way. You know, I mean, there was like a lot of right. fun stuff in the beginning, especially, you know, when mm-hmm. they met and he was reading his poetry and everyone was amazed. And, you know, and he was, you know, feeling really passionate about her and, you know, he was like standing outside of their house. And anyway, but then but then they were just sort of all living together in, in this kind of like... It's just interesting how conventional it started to feel in descriptions. But then, of course, mm-hmm. parallel to that, then he was also having all these other affairs. And then in the end, he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her husband, Ossip, was also... He was um, he died in the Purgis, in the Stalinist Purgis, like um, in 1937, I think. Oh, man. So, but she kind of... Um, she lived a long life. She lived into... I think it was like into this... Toward the late 60s or something. And, you know... Mm-hmm. There, yeah, she just continued sort of talking about her memories and of that time, and the recordings. I was listening earlier today to her a recording of her voice talking about how she first met Mayakovsky, and it was just really. What is her name again? Lilia Brick. Lilia Brick. Yeah. Mm. Was she younger, or was she the same age, or? Um, I think she was about the same age. She was born in 1990. Yeah, and I think he died when he was. About 30-something. So, yeah, they were about the same age, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then she, she outlived them all. Well, there's a lot of kind of, like, speaking of surrealism, there were a lot of kind of threesome relationships yeah. or um, Anthony Penrose and his first wife, Valentine um, Penrose, lived with Lee Miller, his second wife. They all lived together. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like these yeah. groups of... Yeah, it, it's it's not so much... They're not set in stone relationships, I guess, so much, yeah. and that, right. and they're, they're they seem very sometimes they can be very supportive. So, yeah. like Peggy Guggenheim, like despite um, some women not liking her, she she saved Max Ernst, and then she then also marries um, Eve Tangi, mm-hmm. um, and Eve mm-hmm. Tangi would actually send money to France to some of the other surrealist artists and saying mm-hmm. that he was just giving someone lunch money for his dog or I think it was his sure. dog or his cat that was in Paris but he was really yeah. feeding his friend right wow and kind of like yeah, that's how- also like another kind of like a rich rich person a page, patron lover <laughs> yeah patron. There you, there's your money you're like you marry one of the three or four people in the arrangement is the yeah. patron of some sort yeah there's always a rich person with the bohemians right. there's always like a yeah I mean I don't think the bohemian is necessarily about poverty I think it's about it's about not judging people who don't have money and valuing ideas or artistic, you know, production over anything else. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. it has this like kind of whimsical take on class. So if you don't have money, then you do what you can. And if you do have money, then you kind of give it freely. And, and but you usually end up living away from the moneyed people with, mm-hmm. you know, a, some other culture. But that's, I think, an, a really interesting point actually to think about they they didn't actually even care about the money maybe you know there wasn't like this like yeah this kind of stature to someone that would be a rich person like mm-hmm. there wasn't yeah. there wasn't it wasn't really like oh they kind of were all on the same plane because they all were kind of unconventional like yeah maybe right. some people had other means but i don't mm-hmm. think they were it from it doesn't seem like they were intimidated or they were less of yeah. because of that where maybe in our capitalist state 
we can yeah. kind of, or maybe right. back then too, you know, we have these kind of like perceived ideologies that that one could be higher up in stature and, right. and yeah. being because of such, such kind of. Yeah. It was almost like acts of beauty, like acts of beauty were the most important thing, like things like it's sort mm. of a hippie thing too, but it's like, you know, oh, well, you know, it'd be a really wonderful thing if we could have this house or we could have this thing. And then, you know, the rich person just like gives the thing or just facilitates it so that the culture itself could survive and thrive in it according to its own values you know yeah i wanted to ask if if you guys have memories of an actual like what you would define as truly bohemian experience that you've had because i was as we were talking (laughs) i had i thought of one and it's so sweet and it's just like very related to this and it's about a friend of mine that that has passed but like he's he was truly one of these kinds of people and i remember when i first met him we were hanging out. He's like dressed very colorfully. He had had all these relationships and connections to the factory and Andy Warhol and all of these like kind of amazing and Candy Darling and all these amazing people from that culture. And um, not to mention lots of other people. And he was just like beloved by all of these people for being so interesting and strange and cool. And I remember when I first met him, he smelled really wonderful I think he smelled like clary sage or something and I was like oh my gosh you smell so great and he was like oh it's this and he showed me like the essential oil that he you know had on <laughs> he was like the, you know an older man and and uh is it John and, uh, no and uh and he and he goes oh it's this and he handed it to me Mm. and he goes take it and I was like what no 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 this is expensive you know this is like 12 you know 14 dollars you know and I was just like no 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 you know because that's what I'm like and he was like oh no take it like just of course Mm. you loved it just take it yeah yeah it was it was so beautiful you know and when he died I was like that's the most one of the most beautiful things Mm. you know that a person I just met has ever done you know in in my life and it was just very simple and very generous and kind of truly bohemian in a certain way, you know, just about the smell and the friendship and the moment, you know, you guys have any, I mean, I guess it could be like friends, friends from childhood or I think mine was actually, I think the learning was from books, I think, and just reading about the constructivist yeah. ones. But then I think actually it's coming to the States in Houston. Um, and remember, there was this cafe um, called yeah. Notsuo, which is Houston backwards. Definitely. And it really felt <laughs> like... Um, oh my god like a bohemian island in the midst yeah. of the city it was just filled with these kind of um you know old strange eccentric furniture and there was like a secret upstairs that you had to have a password to and yeah on the weekends and i think the man had run it since the 80s or something like that right. and you just had this all these all these characters that have been around you know like that survived the aids epidemic and just yeah. there was just all that history kind of hiding and then yeah. people would play chess and there was a strange waterbed that kept leaking people would jump into it and yeah so it just really felt like i, I somehow I didn't expect it i remember being very dismayed that we ended up in houston my father got a job there and but then finding that place was really um a revelation yeah. and kind of um yeah safe it was wonderful haven. and yeah yeah i just felt really like yeah. a safe haven there it's good to find a place that opens up I remember when I was in my undergraduate degree I was in um, Boston but I was there was this shop it was kind of a thrift store but it was way more than that it was called Wow or What Once Was and it was in Austin, Massachusetts and this woman oh god what was her name it was like fairy or something I forget exactly her name but her and her partner ran the shop and chaos and amazing chaos and they just had amazing junk all over the place and she apparently used to be um quite large but she has a lot of cats and she once sat on one of her cats so she had to have a bypass surgery um but me and my my boyfriend (laughs) at the time wanted to adopt one of the cats and they had just apparently a, a new batch of kittens so we kept trying to go and meet them in the morning and we one one morning we came and their friend Rick or someone was there, um, and he opens up the door and there's all these. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to open the store because there's a stack of paper, like kind of Xerox copy paper, where it's kind of them fighting. Oh, that's their name. Their names are okay, Bubbles and Rick. And then I forget. I'm forgetting. Those are the people who own the store, and they were a couple. 
and Bubbles is the woman who had to have the surgery. And so they had a fight apparently the night before with each other where they wrote down notes on one so one sheet of paper like, no, don't open the store. Bubbles is a bitch. Like kind of like each page is like a new kind of twist to the story. And and the guy's kind of shaking, like kind of rubbing his head, scratching his head, being like, I don't I don't I don't know what to do. Like one says, I don't know if I open the store, I have no idea where they are. And we're like, Okay, guess we're not getting the cat today. But we actually eventually did go into their house and she went to the art, one of the art schools and I think she went to mass art um, and she's been living in this apartment since she was at mass art and she was like in her 70s I think mm. and it was like a one bedroom apartment like the most hoarders thing I've ever seen where it's just like everything was stacked everywhere furniture paintings yeah. odds brick brack mm. and then you go into one room that was a kitchen and the cupboards were open and it was very great gardens and you just saw all these little cats staring at you <laughs> there were just like 20 30 40 oh cats in this fucking I small can see it in my mind's apartment eye. Their eyes glowing and <laughs> many eyes they were very they were very much like they weren't vagabonds because they were very much like stayed in one place but at the same time they were very i could say they were very bohemian they just like yeah yeah they 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 lived their life yeah <laughs> that's right yeah transgressive stuff you don't really have to you know? travel I think yeah, yeah you can just stay in one place and be quite bohemian yeah they had a, a, like a different to relationship place. to things Yeah, I do think that the bohemian comes and goes through time I think that there are different phases and um, maybe maybe yeah. like a tr- cultural liberalism like in a not British liberalism in the same way but like in this like kind of open-minded culture or collectivist culture mm-hmm. will come you know op- like an openness will be a value in the culture and then there'll be a backlash against it and then it'll go back and forth yeah so i think that culture continues i think there's some things also that are associated with bohemianness um mm-hmm. traditionally and i feel like drinking smoking and i guess having sex yeah. is part of it that doesn't uh, have sex. to be. Come on, like Dolly, like I am the drug. Uh, sure. But I would say, <laughs> generally speaking, though, I would say, would, does it not seem like those are like the accoutrement of being a bohemian historically? Oh, no. Well. No? Like yeah, revelry, uh, you know, like having sort of dinner revelry, parties yeah. and, you know, which kind of... Like opiates. I mean, sure. Yeah, maybe opiates. But substance, substance, okay, let's say substance, some sort of substance and some sort of like merrymaking. Um, well, I mean, I think something about that is that, I mean, I was reading this article about existentialism and Sartre, and I think one of the things that the article said was that oh, existentialism permeated the our consciousness, like yeah. the cultural consciousness, and changed the way we think about meaning and truth and change and like is at the source of self-help. You know, so there are a lot of things about bohemian culture, I think, that just culture opened up and more people got into partying crazy and drinking and smoking. And it just became more a lot of the things that were just for those very wild people were, you know, now opened up and it's very common. Right. But now I think we're having this moment where I feel like it's the moment of health consciousness, like orthorexia, you know. Like, no, how do you what is orthorexia? live forever? Being it's when you're conscious? very obsessed when you know with eating like very healthy things, you know, like right. orthorexia, yeah. like orthopedics, though, but <laughs> yeah. eating orthopedic shoes, just eating orthopedic <laughs> shoes, just yeah, just being very healthy, healthy, That's yeah, just being hyper healthy and like being obsessed with it, like you're right. Your whole because we want to live to two hundred years old, maybe three, maybe two thousand <laughs> on Mars. Stop on two hundred. You know? Yeah, what is yeah. bohemian culture going to yeah, be so like, like on what Mars? Is, what I wonder, and like, what is it now that that these things are like no longer cool? That like staying up. The is gypsies not really of cool. will you be a gypsy if you go to Mars and then come back to Earth and then maybe? maybe. <laughs> what do you think, Patina? You need to sleep a lot and you need to like be yeah. exercise a lot and you have to wear like. I'm I'm concerned that, about the demise. I think yeah. I don't know. I feel like Bohemia is like a state of mind, and oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think it can be a state of mind. I don't think it's so sure. much as to be the external things. I think yeah, we can get into health hype and all these things and do it to an yeah. extreme degree. And like, maybe it's not fun. Maybe it is fun for certain people. I don't know. Mm. But I don't know. I feel like it's a it's like a collective state of mind that people can be against a type of confined way of living you yeah. know Actually, a culture that, that is it. like yeah and like that that's like something that isn't just like a 
Yeah, something that's not gift and packaged for you. You know, something that's free thinking and something. Oh, Patina got really into that. <laughs> free thinking and and doesn't come from some some type of thing you can buy, just like out of necessity, out of yeah. this like fake desire, yeah. really, or, can you, or constructed yeah. desire. Yeah, and exercise also feels can feel very bohemian as well. Actually, come to think of it. Well, like I don't. What is the that the movement in um, Germany? Like the early movement with the nudists. <laughs> that's more bohemian. But that seems bohemian. But they also are. I don't know when you exercise. I feel like they're like collective also glorifying the body, and that's you know, and and, and then right. there's that whole session accepting with like the body. Fashion. Well, accepting the body, the yeah. base yeah, body, very, very Wilhelm Reich but, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. He but, is so about know, the body. Adoring certain types of bodies and not the other types. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't know that Bohemia was ever really that accepting about anything. You know, I mean, in terms of the body, it was always yeah. about uh, culture. <sighs> I mean, and it, we're being talking cool, about lashes. Yeah, it was about being cool. And what is being cool if not deciding what isn't cool, right? So, mm. like, each, well, each no, Bohemian no. What grouping. What do you mean? Whoa. I feel like being cool is doing your own thing. Being cool is you yeah, define but, your cool. Mm-hmm. No? Well, it could be, but it also could be, you know, you're defining you're defining the sort of the style and so you're kind of right. casting the judgment. And what isn't? So like it's in and out, you know. It doesn't have to be terrible. It can be it can be a permeable cool to some extent. But like, you know, like what is when you decide this is our way of doing things, you know, we like to do this. Oh my god, uh I was remembering Elena like our our briefcase phase that we had just gonna put that out there Um, yeah like for instance in our early 20s we thought it would be hilarious to go around town together and carry briefcases it's true it's true it was brief it brief Um, briefcase phase so 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 like that was our strange bohemian concept Yeah. yeah you're welcome um and and like you know someone else i don't think anyone else looked at us and felt like they were not cool because of our choice but um it was like a choice it wasn't random you know it was like part of some weird consistent thing that she and i had you know in our weird aesthetics that seems like doing your own thing exactly caring about what anyone else was gonna do or what what else was on trend or on target it was more just like oh yeah we're gonna go for this like fuck Fuck the world. But maybe if there were like twenty of us wearing briefcases, and then we got like yeah. very, then you stopped. Very well, or like we just felt very like convinced that the briefcase is the only way. That's to the be. way. And then we'd sneer at others that would have. That's right. Non briefcases. Feels like that way, but maybe it's just yeah. about the size of the group. You know how how big your group that may be true, and then your behavior changes. I think. Yeah, and if your group is too big, then then the floppy hat phenomenon comes about. Right. Like then if your group tops over 3000 and you get a factory, you have floppy hats and oh, right. they and the produce and, and, and the style choices. Oh. No. <laughs> and then the, the the style choice starts to unravel. It's not, it's no longer uh, interesting. It's no longer like yeah. anything. I suddenly remembered also what I meant to say about the the whole open marriage thing. If you know, I think mm-hmm. There's that notion at the time that, like, it was so shocking. You know, some people thought it was really shocking, but then you sort of look at people's yeah. lives. It is so, it is so not. But I guess it's not really news to anyone because now there's been all these TV series about what it's like to be Mormon and have many wives. Mm-hmm. Or others that are like opens yeah. about having, um, being, you know, non monogamous and having many, many partners. Yeah. So we, we know that it's, it's a lot common. of management. Um, and oh my gosh, it's so not hard. Not a lot of, like, less bliss, I think, and more management. What, with um, yeah. polygamy or just polygamy, dating? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, polygamy. Like, it's quite quite a lot of logistical things. Mm. You know, you figure out where everyone is, when, <laughs> when, when anyone does. A, yeah, B, C, exactly. D. Like, you know, having, like, an equal share <laughs> of too all. too much work. It's a lot of, it's actually, like, a lot of work. It seems nice. Yeah. It seems, like, yeah. ideal. It's very formal. But at the same then, time, <laughs> it seems like, well, maybe yeah. I should just get the person that, that works or doesn't I don't know <laughs> based on their schedule or maybe there's like two maybe there's two people maybe there's not like five mm-hmm. yeah well the idea with Bohemia is that you're supposed to like you're just supposed to vibe on one person one day 
and then you vibe on somebody another day, yeah. you know, you're just like, oh, well, today's the day where we're together because that's the idea. But Wednesdays yeah. with Wayne, Thursdays with Tom, <laughs> Fridays with Frank. Hey, I know your system. I figured you out. Saturdays with Sam. With Sam. They should only... Sundays with Sandy. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice system. It's alphabetical. It's bohemian. Mysterious. Well, I mean, you could all share clothes. That would make it fun. Maybe that's part of the whole bohemian element, too. And you could have a band. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's true. All together. It's true. The food would be great. Singing group. Mady Shulman did that film, Utopia. I think that's what it's called. But it's, it's... She filmed um some of she had she kind of lived in a co-op and they lived in kind of a collective house mm-hmm. kind of like Janice Peorich but a mm-hmm. little um mm-hmm. just a different experimental living and she interviewed them later on and did a film about it I think in 2015 it's a beautiful film yeah oh I want to see that yeah. and she's she's basically interviewing and talking to them about kind of their experience because they really yeah, were living sure. this kind of alternative bohemian we could argue like question Did you the know? alternative sound 90s right it doesn't this like was a 90s in the it's the bohemian of the 90s I guess we could say the alternative. but I'm just like how does it feel how does it feel inside like to me when I hear alternative lifestyle for some reason I think 90s well, it, I guess like, alternative music I know I know is that why I guess that's why <laughs> it was <laughs> But that's this was it. before the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it. I think it was in the in the late seventies or in the early in the eighties that yeah. when this was okay. she was when she did this experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's what I, I kind of think about it. But also, I've been having this kind of conversation with some friends here, where my friend Ren, her brother, just bought um, a flat with with his with his friends, okay, or, or mates, I yeah. should say, um, and. Mates. It was. It's pretty cool that like friends went in and bought a house together. You know, like yeah. it was kind of like, and they were talking about just like how much we spent on rent. But if we actually put that and saved our money and, and collectively yeah. went more into housing instead of just having it be like yeah. these heteronormative families, I think yeah. that's really interesting. Right. And just also just like how we want to raise yeah. families. Do we have to raise families where it's just like me and my partner like me and my right. one partner or maybe it's like me and this group of people like that's actually a way more interesting way to raise a, a family that's of course true. we could go into things like like yeah. the Viennese actionism kind of yeah. cult that happens and or, how they were raised well, completely like, separated from their right. where's, parents where's like the line? you know yeah. 60s 70s like you know all this like communes mm-hmm. uh, commune attempts yeah it's true people yeah. I feel like this is another moment where it's becoming more popular, right? And it's like what Jenny was saying, there's a cyclicality of it. I guess it also relates to the economy. I mean, right now, especially when people yeah. are so precarious and real estate is so expensive. And it seems that somehow it is hard for people to find. Mm-hmm. Relationships have, I mean, it just seems like they're difficult for a lot of people. So it does seem like a, a viable alternative. Yeah. Or like, yeah, we have to yeah. find kind of creative solutions to deal with difficult right. times. Yeah, exactly. And restraint, mm-hmm. you know, we have yeah. a lot of restraint. And, and people like not wanting to do what you were saying, um, to just live isolated in nuclear yeah. families. Like people break up the concept of a nuclear family. Yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty good that that's being done. I think I work with older people, and there's a movement now in um, in New York where there's a lot of um, older people who deal with homelessness, which is just like mm-hmm. mind blowing. And there's a roommate system for people to like live with an older person, or there are like communal houses where they're trying to put you know groups of people together with an older person who needs support. You know, not a lot. They need like they don't need someone to care for them all the time, but it's mm-hmm. like. They couldn't. They wouldn't mind someone checking in on them every once in a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think it's great. Like this, like collectivist yeah. way of living. Well, a different support system, right? That's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be nice if we'd like extended. You know, from the small groups and like grew larger and larger and larger. Because if like, yeah, I guess that's when social mm-hmm. social support. It is the deciding factor in um, longevity and health. From a, a social work perspective, mm. social interaction, social connection, yeah. physical contact with other people. I yeah. mean, there's studies that have been done. It's pretty and alarming. In, it's in very a loving, important. caring ways. I would argue. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I guess not not really <laughs> being abusive. seen, seeing no. someone else. You're right. It's, no, no. The quality of contact the matters. The quality of contact also of matters. Course, yes. Of course. Oh yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. If it's if you're just around people Good that point, you don't though. feel seen by, <laughs> that's true. That can no. be painful being around people that. Yeah, you, you need to be seen. I don't. We were talking yeah. about that actually. We're not yeah. like 
so much in yeah, words, being but seen. being seen yeah. like with with the people mm-hmm. we're around is so important, and especially in a world yeah. where we think we're seen all the time, mm-hmm. or like we have to mm-hmm. kind of generate our own being seenness. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's very. Like, interesting. I feel that being being a part of the artist kind of community, extended community, is helpful. Like you know, you know, I've been away from the states for a few months now. I mean, I know you've you've been away. You haven't gone back. I think since like what last April or something last March. Since last yeah. April, May. Yeah. yeah, and but it it April. wasn't. It was of course like difficult. Like the last few months at first, you know, at times for me, you know. And, like I didn't know people, but you know, then I would sort of meet people, and then would have some something in common or some friends in common, and then it kind of just you know they did feel I did feel like kind of a part of something, you know, that sort of transcends yeah. continents yeah. and yeah, like a right yeah. mushroom <laughs> mushroom network of sorts of artists oh. or Patina. <laughs> she, she, she maybe disagrees. I'm not sure. We were actually going to go to the Salzburg Academy together, oh. um, but then she didn't have her her papers in time, so we couldn't travel. They were going to give as an exception for us to go together. To where? So she's where angry. Where to go to Salzburg. Oh, to do the the, the academy. Oh, okay, oh. Elena or the dog? But the dog. The dog you were, going to do, you were going to do the Salzburg Academy this summer, but, yeah, dog but the dog was not going to be able to come. The dog couldn't come. She didn't get her no, degree. No, she was too. Yeah. She didn't get her her passport in time. Salzburg Academy is so fun. I did it a few years ago. I think you'll have a great time <laughs> next next year when when she when you have your your passport. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Should we play a little bit of La Bohème? Yeah, do it. Would you call yourself a bohemian, Jenny? Yes, I would at this point, yes. Yeah, and Bridget, would you call yourself a bohemian? I don't know. I guess it's just a matter of... In a way that tries to not be oranges, dates, roasted chestnuts, uh, <laughs> whipped cream and pies. I'm translating the subtitles. Nice. If you know. Flowers for the beauties. I I guess outside of the the marketing of boho, I think I would say I I exist more in a bohemian lifestyle. I do live in a warehouse. I you know I don't like yeah. I move around quite a bit. I, I stayed in a, <laughs> a caravan. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> it seems, it seems like I'm, I am a it gypsy. You've dotted all the eyes. <laughs> Therefore, all the eyes in, in, in Bohemian. Me. There's like five eyes in Bohemian, right? Yeah, that's true. Or how many are there more? No, there's eight. One eye. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? Bridget, it's my funny joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, my sense of humor being so bohemian that it doesn't it doesn't make any sense even to my compatriots. It's my phone collapsed onto the floor. The dog wolf, the boham was singing. The warehouse is humming with um, winter heating. A bargain together. Wait, Yelena, are you a bohemian? Oh, I think so. Yes. Why? I am a bohemian, but I also. I'm, I'm like somewhat reluctant to be one somehow. Oh yeah. And what makes what is the reluctance from? It's like fears of poverty. Yeah. yeah. But see, that's what I mean. I don't think. And I think I that comment that, that that person made about the suffering. Right. Well, if we think about it, if we think of a gypsy today, obviously the gypsy's image is a gypsy is is definitely poverty. It's someone usually begging on the side of a, of a road or in the side. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. is a. But I don't. I don't think we should live in fear of poverty to to exist in a state of our freedom. I yeah. I agree with you. I don't think we should. <laughs> <laughs> but some of us do. That's yeah. all. So, yeah, I guess on that note. Yeah. Shall we away? Let's follow those people. Girls, watch out. Here we go. What a ruckus. Take Kaboom Okay, <laughs> out we go. Down the rumors run. See you later in Bohemia. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Bye bye.